0: This is the Successful Life Podcast, your favorite home services podcast. Hi, I'm Corey Baer, number one best-selling author of Nine Simple Steps to Sell More Shit. You can find my book on Amazon.com by searching my name, C-O-R-E-Y-B-E-R-R-I-E-R. I'm here to help you open more doors, close more deals, and rock your revenue in your home services company. For companies with customer service teams who are dissatisfied with their current performance, my new solution is a plug-and-play CSR accelerator for home service companies. For example, my CSR accelerator raised the call book rate from 82 to 94% within 90 days. The company closed $317,456.92 in missed revenue during that same 90 days using my proprietary process. You can go to HVACplummingsales.com for more information or you can text me at 919 896 9999. If I've touched your life or business through this show, I want to hear from you in the review section. It really does help me, Corey B. I want to thank Our military today, and I'd also like to thank the hardest working men and women in the trade. Today's episode is a banger with my man Eric O'Bramp. We discuss his new documentary, Roofers in Recovery, and how Donald Trump is a lunatic. Eric and I connected at RoofCon, thanks to our friend Jeff Boab. We also discuss how your ego is not your amigo and lastly be authentic or get the fuck out
1: this is the successful life it's Corey barrier yeah come learn with me take you down the path of our journey. this
0: is the successful life it's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life it's your turn to live a successful life you are tuning in to the successful life podcast Three, three two one let's go Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with my man, Eric Obrant. Oh, close? Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dang it. I think I actually said it right on the podcast last week. I think you did. Dang it. All right. It's a- Obrant. Dang it. Yeah. I think I practiced it, that like it's a twang. You can't get it with the twang
1: because <laughs> you have to pronounce. And you just you can't do that with you can't do that with the accent.
0: We got a little southern accent down here. Yeah.
1: That's okay. That's all right.
0: <laughs> What's up, brother? I've been super excited to talk to you, dude. I you and I are about to have a really really great conversation. But first, introduce yourself. Tell tell everybody about you.
1: Who you yeah, are. Yeah, I'm you. yeah, I'm Eric Oberemt. I, I uh, I've got a little sizzle reel and it starts in the beginning. And it says, I do a lot of things, but the thing I'm, and which is true, I do a lot of things and it's funny because like at the beginning of our conversation, it's like, what do you actually fucking do, Eric? And it's, that's a really good question. So I've been in the roofing space since I was 10 years old. My grandfather started our roofing company back in 1965. And I started working with him when I was a little kid because I lived with him since I was seven. So I literally, since I was 10, I was up on roofs and graduated through building roofs and putting roofs on to sales to eventual ownership and then learning how to scale the business. And that's my main source of income. That's how I pay for shit. But what I found out in the last four, five, six years that I really have a passion for other things as far as being in the recovery space, obviously is one of them. Being the co-founder of Roofers in Recovery with Paul Reed and being able to help people find out who they were actually supposed to be And that they don't have to still live and be that piece of shit that they think that they are on a daily basis. And so I get, I'm really passionate about that. And I'm really passionate about talking about leadership. I've been given some really cool opportunities in the last few years to be able to speak and be on stage and be able to take the messages that I built and shared on a micro level inside of my company. And I realized, I was like, this is awesome But how much cooler would it be to be able to share these same things on a macro level with other people? And so, being able to get on stages and to be able to do podcasts with people like you and then start our own podcast with Be Authentic or Get the Fuck Out, that has been probably one of the most rewarding things that I do. I'm a business owner. I'm a real estate guy. I'm a fucking podcast host. I'm a former drunk. I'm a coke addict. You know what I mean? Like I'm all those fucking things. But I'm also just Eric Obram and a dad and a husband.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of stuff with that. But one thing you said that I thought was interesting. So you're actually like a true roofer in the roofing space. You're like, I don't know if I've met too many people that have grown up in roofing.
1: No, there's only a couple of us left. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. That's, really that's, cool. that's why me and Paul, I think, hit it off too. Like we we figured out that we both were sober, but we also figured out that we both actually roofed back in the day. And I think that I thought at one time that was just what I was going to be. That was just going to be this labor guy. Like I loved working, right? I loved getting up in the morning at 5 a.m. and going to work and building something And at the end of the day, being able to go home and go, look what I did, look what I did right there. And that was very satisfying. Now, as you get older and you start to break down and you're not 19, 25 anymore, you can't do that. And you especially can't do it hungover. If you're still drinking, you have to figure out a different path. And that was what led me into obviously sales and trying to get out of, but I roof roofed like I was up on roofs until I was 30. Yeah. And then that was when I got sober. And so maybe getting sober made me realize it was fucking stupid to continue doing that because it killed me and I'd probably be dead. But that was like, I literally didn't get off a roofs until I was about 30 years old.
0: So what changed at 30? So let's just get into, walk me through what happened at 30 years old that made you, one, stop drinking and two, quit your shift gear, so to speak. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I, I had always drank and I drank a lot. And I started young, like a a lot of people that kind of have the same story. I had my first drink of alcohol in like seventh grade. Right. Uh, I remember stealing my buddy's parents booze and drinking in his bedroom and you mix it with fucking in a two liter bottle of Sprite or whatever it is. Right. But I remember that even that first time that I, I drank so much so fast, I threw up in a corner and I fell in it and I slept in that pile of puke right? Like the first fucking time that I drank, that was obviously the precursor. But I always drank. I have the same boring stories, like everybody's wild in college and whatever. And I went to the university of Nebraska in Lincoln and I partied balls down there and everything else. But I also was, I'm, I was married twice and I'm on my third marriage and every marriage, every relationship that I had always ended because of my drinking g- generally speaking and but at the time I would always say I'm fucking 19 or I'm 20 or I'm 25 that's what we're supposed to do in that time frame right like that's just normal and I got a couple of DUIs I got my first DUI when I was 19 I got my second DUI when I was 23 which was after my first divorce I got my third DUI when I was 20 six or 27, which was after my second divorce, it's always a woman. It's always a fucking woman that like, like spirals you out of control because your identity is with that relationship. And then once that identity has gone, you don't know what the fuck you are or where you're going to go. Right? So you spiral out of control. And so I got my third DUI then, and I finally got out of that, but in about, it was 2008, was when I really thought that, my, I thought that my life was pretty much over. I was almost 30 years old. I was twice divorced. I had no kids. I had no family to speak of. I had like immediate family, but like I had no, no prospects, right? I was 310 pounds. I was a big, fat person. Did you watch my keynote at RoofCon? Yeah. That picture that was up on the screen was me. I clearly that- forgot the picture. The big, fat, bloated Eric, I was 300. I do remember that. You were standing in the kitchen. Yep. Yep. There was a big plate of Coke underneath me. Nobody could see. That was my 30th birthday. And I, but I remember I was like, there was nowhere to go and I had no prospects and I didn't know what life even was going to look like. And so I got to a point where I just didn't give a fuck anymore. And it was like, so every day was the same. It was drink, do Coke so I could stay awake. So I could drink more and stay up later because what I found out was if you drink as hard and as fast as I do, you pass out really early. And if you pass out really early, there's no chance for sex. (laughs) I swear to God, that was what went through my head. And I was like, how can I fix that cocaine? And so like, I literally, that was why I found drugs and cocaine. And I got heavily into that and started selling and I got popped for my fourth DUI in October, September of 2009. And when that happened, it was the last, it was a last straw because I was able to get out of every situation that I got put into prior. Right. Never really had any consequences. I always had a good lawyer that got it dropped down to something else. But this time, all cards were on the table, they were enhancing everything. I was looking at one to five years in prison. I narrowly dodged drug charges because I had all kinds of drugs on me. I narrowly dodged drug charges. But just for the DUIs, for the fourth offense felony DUI that I was looking at, I was looking at one to five years in prison. And even looking at that, I still didn't want to stop. I still didn't think that I was ready to stop. I still thought that I could control it and that I could figure it out. And my attorney came to me and said, here's the deal. You're going to get one to five in prison. The only chance that you get out of that is if you go do 30 days in a rehab facility, because if you do that and we show the judge that you did that, then maybe they'll show leniency on you. And I was like, I can do fucking math and 30 <laughs> days in rehab is significantly less than one to five years in prison. And let's be honest. Big fat coke head, Eric white guy wasn't going to do well in prison. Like I I wasn't going to fit in. So I went to treatment and I went to a place called Valley hope in O'Neill, Nebraska, in the middle of the fucking sticks. And I went there, I was there for 30 days and I didn't really participate for the first 10 to 12. I checked out. I just showed up. I went through the motions and I've told this story a million times, but I don't think I told it on stage but I was literally sitting in the lecture hall, right? I was sitting in the lecture hall and somebody was lecturing and it was November. It was cold as balls, fucking snowing. And I remember looking at the window and up there, they had all these plates and mugs and shit on the wall. So like the people that graduated or whatever, you get a cup, right? And then you come back and you hang your cup up. And I look around and I'm looking at all these plates and these mugs on the wall. And I look out the window and I audibly go, holy fuck, I'm in rehab. And everybody stopped what they were doing. What's wrong with crazy over here? He's just talking out loud. And I was like, whoa. And I just had this like influx of, okay, dude, normal people don't have to go to fucking rehab. If you had your shit together, you wouldn't be living in a facility where they're trying to teach you what the fuck is wrong with you maybe you should shut the fuck up and listen. And from that point on, I said, I'm willing to do what you tell me to do because I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be the person that has to go to rehab. I don't want that to be how I'm defined. And from that moment on, I made a decision that I was going to figure out how to be better. And I was going to listen to people that had done it before me so that I could learn from their experience and that's how I got here and I did have one relapse but it was only for a night but I've been sober I've been sober ever since
0: it's interesting because the we by the way it was fantastic one of the things that you said in particular is you mentioned that 13th day or 12th day whatever day it was right the light came on and I lost what I was going to say. I'm going to have to cut this part out. So give me a second. Fuck. I hate when I do that. ADHD, it happens. Yeah. Or I may just leave it in. Who knows? Anyhow, I don't remember exactly what I was going to say. Oh, it was... Okay, it was being told what to do. It's being able to ask some... Another... I'll just say from a man's standpoint... I can't really speak from a woman's standpoint... But from a man's standpoint, it's really hard to ask somebody for that help. One. And then two, it's really hard... To listen and not think you know everything, right? We're going to get into that in just a few minutes. But I think that's what keeps a lot of people out is that it was my ego. It's all fucking ego. It's all ego.
1: It's all ego. And and recovery and AA does a really cool thing, though. They trick you. But they say these are suggestions. Right? And they do. Well, you know everything you read in the big book is a suggestion, right? Nobody's right. ordering you to do it because... What do addicts and alcoholics, what do we hate? We hate being fucking told what to do, right? We rebel at being told what to do. I can accept a suggestion. The the best sponsors out there go, yeah, it's a suggestion. But if you don't do it, you're going to fucking drink. Yep. Right. So it's completely up to you whether or not you do it. But this is if you do these things, then it can work. Then you can see the miracle that can happen for you right? But if you don't do them, then it probably won't. Does that make sense?
0: Dude, uh, more than so. I'll tell you why it really makes sense and why this is probably important that we're talking about this right now. You and I had a conversation. I don't know. It was probably less than 10 days ago. Yep. And I shared with you my feeling on AA because I got sober in AA and for a long time, AA did what it was supposed to do for me. And I just, I got caught up, my ego, I'm just, this is pretty new information. My ego got caught up in, in the language. And I mean, you and I talked about this off camera a little bit or previously, and I got caught up in the language. And when you explained to me, you reframed the way I was thinking and not in a, it wasn't even in in a forceful way or anything like that. What I'm saying is you just made me think about something different. This is where I'm going with this. So uh, t- t- today was my third meeting and I picked up a sponsor and I don't tell, say all that to, for a pat on the back. I say that because I figured out what I've been missing. And it, this is really important because the spiritual portion is the portion that I've been missing. Now, I meditate every day, but I, I don't, I, I, my ego says, do you really have to say God or do you really have to, can't you just think it? No, dude, that's just not how it works. So right. I've been missing the spiritual experience of this whole thing. Now, I understand it because I've had it, right? I've been there. And I'm not sure other than the language portion what happened, or maybe it was just my own thinking is probably what happened. But I didn't go to AA for almost six years. It would, there's no telling how many people I could have helped in the last six years. No telling where I'd be today if those things would have happened. But the most important thing is that now I understand, and I guess the point of this is the spiritual portion of not just not drinking. We hear this all the time. Just don't drink. That is part of it. Of course you can't drink, right? You just don't drink. The other side of that is you got to work the program.
1: So what I'll say about that is people that are in the depths of it right now will disagree with this because they're in the depths of it. Quitting drinking is the fucking easy part. Yeah. Living after and learning how to do that while being happy, that's the hard part. That's why there is a program. That's why there's 12 steps is to teach you how to live. The steps are not to teach you how to not drink. The steps of AA are to teach you how to live. Because to not drink, all you got to do is not pick up. Because the only thing that I can control as, a, as an alcoholic and an addict, the only thing that I can actually control is whether or not I pick up the first drink. So as long as I don't do that, I won't have the 10th. And I know that right? And it's the only thing I can control. The minute I have one, though, I lose all the control because I am built. I truly believe that I am built differently, whether it's structural, it's part of my DNA. I am absolutely fucking built differently. And when a drink hits my body, it reacts differently than normal motherfuckers that can have one drink, sit at a bar and go, no more for me, thanks, and actually fucking mean it. If I say no more for me, thanks, inside, I'm going, I fucking want one more, but I know I'm not supposed to. Right. That's the difference. And I know that my body reacts differently. So my first line of defense is just that I can't fucking have that first one right now. Then there you have two options after that. Your two options are one. I can just not drink and be a miserable fucking dry, drunk prick afterwards. And we all know those people right? And they say, I don't go to fucking meetings. I don't do this. I don't help people. I just don't fucking drink. It's yes. And you're a miserable cocksucker, right? But the people that don't drink anymore, because it just doesn't fucking work for them. And then they work a program that I think everybody in fucking human society should actually work the program, because it teaches you how to live as a better person and as a better human, so that you can have these spiritual experiences that you're talking about so that you can have these spiritual awakenings. The term that I love th- that really resonates with me that's in the big book is a psychic change. Yes. You have a psychic change because I am not that fucking person anymore. And this is what you and I were getting yeah. into, right? Is that you're not that person anymore, but but it's still fucking in you. So if you take that drink, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. So whether you identify as an alcoholic or an addict or whatever makes no fucking difference, but it's still in your fucking DNA. And I think that you believe that. I believe that. There'll be people that listen to this that go, fuck you, I don't believe that. But I 100% believe that. So now I need to understand if I made that psychic change and I'm not that person anymore, now what am I doing, right? Now what am I doing with my life? Am I righting wrongs? am I making amends and making apologies? Am I taking an inventory of what in I did the right wrong? Order. In, in the, the right, right order. order. Correct. Did I, am I taking an inventory of my life and the people that I've harmed? And there's a lot of people have talked about this when they relate it to business, right? What do you do in fucking business every year? When you get to the end of a year, end of a quarter or end of whatever, you go back and you take an inventory on everything that you did for that previous quarter and what did you fucking do wrong so that you can fix it And make the next quarter or the next year better. We have to do that as humans. It doesn't matter if you're a drunk or if you're an addict or if you're sober or if you're you are. You should be taking a goddamn inventory all the time. But we, here's the cool thing. For us, we as addicts and alcoholics have been given this program that teaches us how to do that. And everybody else thinks that they don't need it. So then you know what people did? They packaged like, the fucking 12 steps of AA and put it into personal growth and development, sell it for fucking $20,000.
0: Wow, I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah, that's what they do. You can get it for fucking free by going to AA. Yeah. We get it for free because we're drunks and we're addicts. Every retreat that I go to and they do exercise, I'm like, you fucker, you're doing the (laughs) four-step. Like, I've done all this shit. You just repackage it and you charge me 20 grand for it. Yeah. But- all these other people then get access to it. And then all of a sudden they have this psychic change because they're not the same individual. They're figuring out how to grow and learn and have this like trajectory and path where they get to be better. Like how fucking exciting is that? That's
0: awesome. It is awesome. Without a shit ton of pain, I don't know. I know for me, I wouldn't have nope. gotten there. I no, no way I would have made that change. No, no way. And yeah. I
1: agree agrees. with you a hundred percent. Without pain, that is absolutely true for you and I, yes, for you and for you and I, that is a hundred percent true, but there are hundreds of thousands of people that can watch this, that don't have to go through what we went through to be able to take certain steps, to be able to come, to be able to become that person that they were supposed to be. They don't have to go through that because they're not wired like we are right. And good for you. But because they're not wired like we are, they're not going to have that, oh, shit moment. They're not going to have that bottom necessarily to be able to trigger, what do I have to do? We had to have that pain. I'm the guy that has to be hit over the head 85 fucking times with a hammer before I go, oh, it hurts when you hit yourself in the head with a hammer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it takes that many times. And some people are that way. A lot of us are that way. Not everybody takes what it takes, but it's great. I can go on
1: tangents. I apologize. No,
0: no, but it's great. No, this is great because we're just bringing it full circle around everything that we've been talking about sobriety and just to bring it back to the spiritual portion. You're right. And when I was speaking earlier, I'm glad you mentioned if you're new, the new person's not going to understand what I was saying before. So that was really great. I'm glad you said that because it's super important. You never know whose life this conversation could change. And I think that's one of the things that you pointed out to me. You said, I don't know if you said it's your responsibility, but I feel like it's my responsibility because. Duty. It's your duty. It is my duty. I've been avoiding that. And that's. Now I'm going to. Now I'm going to fuck with you, though. You should. Okay.
1: Now I'm going to fuck with you because you have made this amazing decision that you need to give back and you need to help others that have been through what you've been through, right? Yes. The next thing you need to do, which is actually in a backwards order, but it's the next thing that, that you need to do as well, because I have to do it all the time. I have to have somebody that I'm accountable to as well.
0: If I knew that was coming.
1: I have to have somebody, and it doesn't have to be a sponsor. It doesn't have to be whatever, but you have to have somebody that you're accountable to, because if you're helping somebody else and giving advice, they're going to put you in a spot at some moment in time, that you don't know the fucking answer to their question. And it'll be disingenuous for you to make some shit up like we do as salespeople to make it sound like you know what the fuck you're talking about to get them through something when maybe it's not really good advice because you can't relate or you can't, like you haven't been through it. But when we have other people that are in the same or longer stage of what we've been going through or doing the steps or whatever it is, to be able to have somebody to lean on for that's the difference, right? It's just like a coach having a coach right? All coaches have coach, all the good ones, right? All the good coaches have coaches and those guys have coaches. I bet you a million fucking dollars. Ed Milette has a coach. He's got probably 10. Correct. So it's the same thing in sobriety. If you're helping and coaching somebody along to, to become that version of themselves they're supposed to be, you better have somebody coaching you too, so that you continuously get better to be able to help those people. It's the same thing as coaching. And I figured you'd buy in with the coaching analogy, i.e. a coach, but you know what I'm saying? But it makes total sense. And so that's my next challenge to you is that down the road, you figure out who that accountability partner is to be able to have those conversations with, to be like, man, I'm fucking stuck here. Billy's telling me some shit. I don't even
0: know what, I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It helps. For sure. Sounds like you just picked up some accountability. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) 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 I figured I fucking volunteered myself by bringing this up. Yeah. Here's the thing. And and I'll be honest with you. It's pretty ironic that you bring that up because i literally had this realization today in that meeting. As I'm listening to people, I'm like almost exact. Why does my camera keep going out? Exactly. You You got that weird
1: Zoomy thing that like follows you.
0: I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, follow you. But Stop moving. All right. So I had that thought today in the meeting. I thought I, ha- I have to have somebody that I'm accountable to because if not, I may not do this thing right. Correct. And I can't not do it. I've already done that. I'm not going to not do it right again. And I shouldn't say not do it. do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do the second part of the program. You're right.
1: Yeah. The entire 12th step.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just right. skipped over that. But part- the,
1: the entire 12th step. That 12 step is what keeps us sober.
0: This episode of the Successful Life podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah. And so we mentioned dry drunk earlier. Yeah. I've done a lot of I've done a lot of cool things in this dry drunk period. Yep. But dang, dude, I know for sure I can't even fathom what could have happened. We're gonna find out, right?
1: How much better I mean, could I, it have been,
0: exactly? Much better. And I, yeah. I've already seen that. And look, I'm not saying that I'm going to AA because I get something. I do get something out of it. I get the pleasure of sharing and helping other people in the room. And I also get the, have the ability to hear other people's stories and learn from those experiences as well. So it's multifaceted. I want to be clear. This is not, this is not like an intentional thing. The, The intention is to do the 12th step. And that's the only intention.
1: Yep. I love it. It's very fulfilling and rewarding to me just to be able to have this conversation with you again, to see somebody like yourself that has went through all of it and has come out and is still succeeding, right? You're fucking, you're winning, right? You're not winning in spite of or despite of anything, right? You're fucking winning already. But then to see you have that light go on to be like, I could fucking win so much more if I was doing this, right? Which goes back to, we can never stop learning. We can never stop getting better, right? The minute, like guys like John Maxwell, what is he, 197 years old? And he's still fucking sitting up on stage and talking about still learning. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I want to think that I can be like that when I'm 197, but it's hard to fathom At a certain age, I just don't go, fuck it. That's all I got. That's all I can get. But to like to have that consistent mentality that you always need to be learning and you always need to be able to win more and not win things, right? Not not win material things, but to just to be better and to live. It goes back to how do we live? Right. I was listening to a podcast on my drive home last night from the airport, and it was all about, it was all about living. And this person had this near-death experience. And they had these moments kind of flash and whatever. And they were like, did I live, right? And this gives us that opportunity to live so that we don't have these regrets of, man, I could have helped so many fucking people. And now my time's up. That's sad. I don't want to have that. I don't want to have that feeling at the end of the day. I want my kid to be able to write a eulogy that's not only did my dad love me and help me with all these different things that we did, but the amount of people that he helped and help save their lives and put
0: families back together. That's his legacy. And I don't know if you mentioned this. You may have mentioned it and I may have dismissed it, but your dad, was he a recovering alcoholic as well? No. So my dad,
1: my parents got divorced when I was seven.
0: And that was when we
1: moved in with my grandparents. So my grandpa became my dad. My dad, for all intents and purposes, out of the picture. I'd reconnect every once in a while. And I was like, that was a bad idea. And then go back and forth, whatever. I don't think I've seen him for A decade probably, which part of that's on me and it's not good, but then the other part's on him, fuck you, and he'll probably see this. I think he follows me. And one day I literally saw like on my YouTube channel, it was like subscribed and I was like, Oh fuck. (laughs) God I think that was uncomfortable. (laughs) It was a little uncomfortable, yeah. It was so, and I'm sure like, obviously we'll take this and we'll post it forever. And so I'm sure like, it'll get fucking seen. But my dad, my, my dad wasn't really in the picture that much. My grandpa was, my grandpa drank and he drank a pretty good amount. He definitely had alcoholic tendencies for sure. And he's the one that taught me to drink, right? Like he's, I, he's the person I, I drank beer with him when I was 15 on Christmas, right? And I remember one of the lessons he taught me, I'll never forget this, I tell this story all the time he used to drink this shitty old style classic gold. You remember that in the fucking gold cans and it was old style classic gold. I don't know how long they made it for, but it was fucking garbage, but he would buy 20, 30 cases at a time and stack up next to the fridge so that he could just always have the fridge full. And I remember one Christmas, I was like maybe 16. And that was like on Christmas Eve, it was always okay to have drinks with the family. And I remember going and getting an old style classic gold and drinking it. And I went up to my grandpa and I said, Gramp, you, this is like, you can't even sip this beer. And he looked at me and he said, Eric beer ain't made for sipping. And I was like, mother He's right. And I don't know if that's what stuck with me or not. It could have, I'm definitely not blaming grandpa, but that kind of stuck. And it was like, None of this shit's made for sipping. Like in my mind, it's made to get
0: me fucked up. Yeah. You want to be like your grandpa, right? You looked up to your grandpa just like I looked up to my grandpa. So yeah. maybe by default, yep. what you said, maybe yep. that is.
1: So there was definitely some in my family. I know my dad's dad was definitely a fucking drunk and he died. but He never got sober. Nobody in my family has ever gotten sober. But then on the other side of it, like my mom and my grandma on that side, don't drink at all. Never have
0: that's so funny. My mom's like, is almost identical.
1: Yeah. Like me. my sister, my sister doesn't drink never has yeah. like, she's got other stuff that she deals with, but like never drank right. wild to me. Yeah. It's wild to me because like, they definitely do not fucking get me. They don't understand me. And none of them are entrepreneurs either. So that, except my grandpa and he wasn't really an entrepreneur. He was just, he owned a business. Right. But, but he understood like Doing it your way and figuring out how to figure shit out so you can make money, right? Because I'm like, what are we gonna do? I'm like, we don't have any money to go to the track. And he goes, I'll figure it out. I'll go find some money. Like, the fuck do you mean you'll go find some money? And he's like, I'll go find it. I'll go sell a couple of recoat jobs and we'll pick up a thousand bucks and we'll go to the track and go gamble. I'm like, Okay. And he just always figured it out. But the rest of my family's no, you have to go to work at nine o'clock and then you work until five, and then you get a 401k. And then when you're 65, you'll have $80,000 a year to live on. And maybe they'll give you a watch or an iPad and say, thank you so much for that. And it's fuck you. I'll go buy my own fucking iPad. You know what I mean? Like that, but that's, but that's how a lot of people are. And I'm not shitting on it. I'm not shitting on it because the world needs those people too. It just isn't, it just isn't me. And I don't understand it. And then they look at me and go, dude, you're fucking crazy. Like, you just did what? You just went and invested that much money that you don't even fucking have to try and do that thing. I invest other people's money that I don't fucking have all the goddamn time to try and figure some shit out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it's the and your majority of people honestly are not like you and me. If I had to guess, most thank God, thank God really. Yeah, because we'd have a it would be a, it'd be a crazy world. But and you're right, we do need those people. But when you're describing that and you're walking me through that just now, like. I just got bound up inside. Like I just cringes me to think that I would have to do anything from nine to five or better yet for anybody to tell me, I got to do anything between nine and five every day. Like right. I just, I, Oh, I, but I,
1: as business owners, we've all had that moment where we've went, Man, I could really go for a job right now. Yeah. The <laughs> F- <laughs>
0: hell with all this worry and stress. It's a lot. It's a lot more than people think.
1: Yeah, we all have that fleeting moment though. It usually only lasts like, a day or whatever it is, but we all have that moment. Paul and I talk about. It. I'm like, how many times a week do you just want to burn the whole motherfucker down? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. We don't. And that's the difference between us and others is that we don't. And we change our mindset and everything's cool. But if we're actually being honest, because most people aren't and they fucking lie and they pretend that everything's golden and fucking unicorns and rainbows. But as entrepreneurs and business owners, we all have moments where we're like, do I know what the fuck I'm doing? Do I actually have a clue what the fuck I'm doing? Like, I'm just going to burn this whole goddamn thing down and go figure something out and work for somebody else. And then it flips. And we're like, like, of course I know what I'm doing, right? Like, I, I've got this, but whatever. And we trudge forward. And that's the difference between, I think, that's the difference between successful people and non-successful people is that the non-successful people listen to that voice. Yes. And the successful people don't. And they say, fuck you, other guy. <laughs> I'm going, right? I think, that's, I think that's the difference, right? And I've failed, At that, but I've succeeded at that too.
0: The decision, right? At the end of the day, you just have to make the right decision, or I say the right decision. You just have to make a decision. A lot of times, that's where we get stuck, right? We will be pinging all over the place in our brains about all the million things that we've got going on, it's that's when I want to burn it down. I'm like, I want to shut down, and I do. I want to just burn it to the ground because part of that, as has been, because I haven't been treating the other part. So we still get that whether you're treating it or not. I just get it a little bit. I've been been having it a little bit more often and that's part of the reason I don't like having those thoughts I don't like having the I want to burn it to the ground thoughts
1: and the other way that we keep from keeping those thoughts in our mind though and again I know that a lot of this shit is like redundant and a lot of people talk about it on different pot and maybe it's just because you and I are doing so much personal development and growth and stuff like we hear these things all the time so we just assume other people are hearing them but maybe they're really not You know what I mean? Probably not, actually. But I, Yeah, but I think that one of the ways that we keep those thoughts from staying inside of our head is that it goes back to who we're surrounding ourselves with, right? And if we're surrounding ourselves with people that don't fucking quit, then we're not going to fucking quit. I'll give you an example. My buddy Paul, who's literally one of my best friends, he decided that he was going to go start this other business, right? He was going to go start this other business in this other state. I moved to Texas and say, absolutely not. I am not starting another roofing company down here. I don't have any desire to have another goddamn roofing company. I've got enough fucking problems with the one that I have. It's enough of a pain in my ass. I don't want that. I want to focus on working with guys like you and doing shows and blah, blah, blah. That's what I want to do. Sure as shit, he goes and does that. And I go what kind of a fucking idiot are you? You're being a pussy because you know that the thing that you are absolutely the best at is building a business, building people around you, and building a roofing company you've been doing since you're fucking 10. Now you're in Texas. You've got connections coming out of your ass. You can literally have work thrown your fucking way, but you're being too big of a pussy to do it and to set it up. And because my best friend said, just went and fucking did it. I went, fuck you. I'm doing it too. So I literally incorporated a business while taking a shit on the toilet because you can do that on legal zoom, right? <laughs> I literally just to hold myself accountable. I got on legal zoom in the toilet and incorporated, came up with my business name, did the whole thing, registered it. And in a week had my EIN number and everything sitting on the table. I'm getting space. I'm interviewing people tomorrow and I'm starting this motherfucker up, right? So I'm continuing to go forward because of the people around me, because they push me to make sure that I'm not holding back and not reaching my potential.
0: And that, my friend, is vitally important.
1: It's such a big deal, and everybody talks about it. And one thing that I'll say is there's people listening that say that is easier fucking said than done, Eric. I want to surround myself with these people, but they don't want to be around me. It goes back to if I want to spend time with like high level, like I want to spend time with an Ed Myletter. I want to spend time with an Andy seller I want to spend time with a Sean Whalen or whoever, right? Like just making up names. But what value do I fucking bring to these people? Like why the fuck, why would they let me in a circle of theirs? They wouldn't like why? There's no reason on the surface that they would. So I came home from a retreat about five years ago and I had to write down everybody that I interacted with on a daily basis. Okay. I had to write down every person that I interacted with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, whether it's personal work, like social groups, whatever it is, every single person. Then I had to assign them a number if they were below me at my level or above. Yeah. So the first part is tough because like, you don't want to share that list, right? Because <laughs> you keep your people on it, and they're below you, or you think that they are right. But you count those numbers up, <clears throat> you count those numbers up. And if I had, let's say 20 people on that list, everybody on that list was at or below my level of what I saw as my level say a quote unquote, right. But I had people on the list. Then I had to write the list of who's above that I want to spend more time with. Right. And I, I picked out like those business owners or those people that have done more than me and that I wanted to learn from. And that's where you start. You don't start by going, I want to fucking be an Andy Frisella circle. Right. You start by figuring out who's that business owner in your community that you can surround yourself with that knows way fucking more than you. And you start there and you say, I don't want anything from you. I'd love to provide you some value. If there's anything that I can do from you, I'd love to be able to learn from you. And that's how you start because people love to help. And if you ask them to help because you wanna learn and you can maybe provide them something down the road, right, in value and in reciprocating in, in being a friend, right, now all of a sudden, over the course of five years, I've went, right, and now I'm like, one, two degrees removed from an Ed Milet. That's right. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? So So for people listening, don't be intimidated and think that you need to go from here to fucking up here. You're not going to, you're delusional, if that's what you think you're going to do. Understand that there's so many people in your community right now, That are fucking right here and you're not. So figure out who those people are and talk to them. Ask them if you can go to lunch, not to sell them something, but to ask them some questions and learn from them. And once they see that you're genuine and they and that you're just you're wanting to learn and be better, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna introduce you to the person that they're learning from up here. Yeah. And then you get to keep going. And that's what's fun. That's the journey, and that's how you get. To those higher levels, right? Like I'm still working on it.
0: Yeah, 100. percent. And you don't want to be at those high levels when you're not prepared. No. What'll happen? Right? You're you look like
1: a fucking asshole.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Completely destroy any future possibilities right. that you may have, and you won't Shouldn't even be in know, those rooms right? until you're ready to be in those rooms. 100. Because they'll know if you're not supposed to be in that room. Like it's yes. blatantly obvious, right? Blatantly. We, you, and I got to see a, a lot of that. Not the people on stage. But we had a few people drop by our table. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. It's a cr- pretty crazy conversation. Correct. You, you just know when somebody's talking about something that they don't know what they're talking about. They don't
1: about. know what they're talking about. But at the same moment, you and I both gave them fucking props internally in our head for the yeah. effort.
0: Absolutely. On a, and there was no judgment, dude. Oh. I mean, we're talking to you and me, but at the time, there's zero judgment because we've been there yeah we've been that guy at some point we've been that guy, and so I know oh, what that we, oh, what we
1: also knew is what you were just alluding to was that when we started talking, it was completely different
0: oh absolutely yeah it was right? totally different. yeah, but
1: you just know it,
0: yeah, you, you
1: just know it and if you're supposed to be in those rooms, but it doesn't mean don't stop fucking trying to be in those rooms incrementally get into those rooms spend Popular, unpopular opinion. Don't give a fuck. Spend money to get into fucking rooms yeah. to learn. Yep. Spend 100%. money to get into rooms to learn
0: from people. Because guess what? It's like going to the hotel that has free breakfast. And that's why you go to the hotel because it has free breakfast. You gonna be hanging out with the other people that want free breakfast. So you got to pay your way into these circles. And I like it or not. It is what it is. If you want to get around the big boys. You got to pay to play sometimes. And it is what it is. Until you can gain enough influence to be invited into these circles, you got to pay to play. Yep.
1: Yep. It seems gross in the beginning, though. A little bit. It does. It made me feel very gross in the beginning. Because there was a joke in the beginning, like when I first became friends with Sam. mm -hmm. Me and Steve Pritchard would joke and be like, man, you're my most expensive fucking friend. But here's what happened. I did that. It gave me an opportunity to connect with somebody. And now we're just actually friends. That's the difference. And it happened organically. Yes, I paid to get into a sphere. Right? Yeah. But I didn't. But I, you can't pay to actually be somebody's friend.
0: That's right. But here's, I want to give everybody a quick tip too. So if there's yep. somebody, let's just take Sam, for example, right? Sam's fairly influential guy if you yep. want to get around somebody like sam here's how you do it follow him online comment on his posts, make sure he see you don't even have you don't even have to do he doesn't have to know you but he can get to know you if you start showing up right if you start showing up like at meetings start showing up and sharing people get yeah. to know your name guess what yeah. it's magic same thing online right
1: yeah 100 absolutely and i'll be honest i'm bad at that I am too. I'm really bad. I'm really bad at that because I still have the, I'll still have that, are people judging what I'm saying moment?
0: You know what? I got to take that back. I actually don't, I actually do a great job with this. At this point, I actually do a good job with this because I figure out who it is now. Yeah, Yeah, now. But I have a system. I figure out who it is I want to do business with or whatever it is. Or maybe it's just somebody I just want to be close to, because like we're talking about, right? You got to pour into those people. And I'll tell you one thing, the biggest mistake I think people make when they're talking to somebody that's influential is they ask them, how can I add value to your life? So essentially what you're doing, when you ask me that question, is you're making me think about how you can help me. Yeah. That's convenient for me absolutely not. Hey, don't give me a
1: job. <laughs> don't ask
0: me how you can help me. You tell me how you can help me.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. No, I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree with that. Yeah. You figure that out. You figure out what conversations bring value to them. Right. And, and that's not, you- that, it's not easy. Nobody's saying that that's easy. Right. And it's not going to be with everybody, right? Because you have to find your circle that's it. just because you want to be friends with, sam or you want to be friends with ed or you want to be friends with whoever it is doesn't mean that you should be
0: right guess what you might not even know
1: that person it might be somebody else that has the same stature that you're looking for but you're able to connect with them on a different level because of shared experiences
0: i'm gonna take this a step further i think that part is more valuable Than being close. Okay. So here's an example. I've been in both of the uh, all the groups that work, I've been in both of those groups. And the truth of the matter is, the chances of me being more successful talking to my local people than Mm -hmm. it would be for me to try to spout out a bunch of stuff in that group and expect to have to get closer to Ed Milet. I'm better off getting closer to somebody that actually knows who I am and wants to actually do business with me or whatever the case may be, why is there? Ultimately, yep. it all comes down to business. these yep. groups. Does that make sense?
1: It does. So now my reasons are different in this conversation about sure. like those people, right? So my goal, and just to be fair, on every single podcast I do, whether it's mine or somebody else's, I throw this shit out into the universe because someone's going to fucking see it, right? Yep. So the reason that like I want to be able to have a conversation with an Ed is not because I want to do business with him. It's not because I necessarily want anything from him. It's because we're filming the roofers and recovery documentary. And that documentary is going to help possibly thousands and thousands of people and I want Ed to tell the story about his dad on the documentary to give it more of an opportunity to reach more and more people. So I'm literally every conversation I have with people is if you've got an in, I want to send a trailer because the ask is we want you to be able to help other people. I don't want anything from you. I don't want to be on your show. I want to be on your show, but I don't want to be on your show. I'm not asking you to be on my show. I want you to make that happen for you. I want you to help facilitate
0: this. Right. That's the I can make that happen for you. I can make that happen for you. I don't know how quickly, but I can make it happen. Here's the other thing, dude. I sat in this chair exactly where I'm sitting right now. And I have never cried that hard. I don't know about it ever. I cried so hard listening to that because I told you I was in Arte, and Ed told that story to our group. And I sat here and I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, he told that story. I understand exactly why you want.
1: when I heard it and I bawled my fucking eyes out was at RoofCon last year. So that was one of the first times I think that he told the story publicly was at RoofCon last year. And I was sitting fucking up and it was me and Paul and like a few other people. And thank God it was dark. And I am sitting there like in public with people at least you got to be in your chair, right? And I was bawling and I was like, God damn it. I'm like, this can touch so many people. And obviously he's got to reach with normal people and like he doesn't, he's not about recovery and whatever. But that story is so powerful in our space that it has to be fucking told in our space at least once so that I can get it out to millions of people to be able to hear it as well. Because a lot of people in our space, and by our space, recovery space, right? And people that are in the depths of addiction that aren't out of it yet, they probably don't know who he is. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because they're living in their world of drugs and alcohol and fucking whores. And that's the world that they're living in. They're not living in the world of growth and development and the Ed Milettes of the world, right? You go up to somebody and go, you know who Ed Milet is, who's fucking on a bender. They'd be like, what the, who, what are you talking about? Is that the drug (laughs) dealer? I don't know what you're saying, right? So that's my thing because that's the value that I want to add to the world by being able to ask somebody that has influence to use that influence to help them, not to help me. I'm not making money on this fucking documentary. I'm just shelling out tens of thousands of dollars to make it. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally.
0: Yeah, man, that would be. Yeah, that'd be incredible. We could talk off air about how we could. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that dude, that that would be. That'd be great if you could make. Yeah, I. That'd be incredible. That story just—it's got me jammed up, dude. Because it just ripped my. It ripped my heart out. Ripped my heart out because it's so close to. It's close to us. It's close to AA, right? If you and it goes
1: back to how we started this conversation. It goes back to this old man, dying. Wanted to help somebody in the last 15 minutes of his life. And that's how he'll be remembered. Yeah. Or you could be remembered as I got what I needed from you. Thanks. See you later. And you had the epiphany of that's not what I want. And to be able to become that, like, that's what I want to be. I want to be what he was when I'm laying there.
0: I would say you probably
1: are. You're just not 100 But I won't be if I don't continue doing the work. 100% correct. Because it would be correct. very easy for me to pull off. And again, back to what you said, people yeah. know who we are. People know who we are. People know what we do. People people listen to us for whatever fucking reason. But people, <laughs> there are certain people that listen to us and care about what we have to say. And if we let our ego <clears throat> take that over... I have to, I don't, I think we maybe talked about this, but I have to once a month, I have to once a month, I have to sit down and do a little self aware ego check with myself. And I have to ask myself questions and say, okay, Eric, why are you going to speak at this event? Why? Are you continuously doing these podcasts and paying the money that it costs to travel and do all this stuff and spending a lot of hard-earned money to do this? Are you doing it because you want the fucking attention and it's your ego talking? Or are you doing it because you genuinely want to help people? And I know that when it started, it was about helping people. But when you start getting attention feels good and it makes your fucking ego open up even more, and if we don't, if we're not self-aware of that to make sure that doesn't take over what we're doing, then you'll lose everything that you have because ego never wins. Helping right. always wins.
0: Your ego
1: is not your amigo.
0: I wish it was my, my saying, but I, I took that for I've heard it
1: a million times, but it makes me laugh every time. It's
0: so true. It really is. Eric. Dude, this has been it's been such a great conversation, yes. and it's interesting. I didn't, I don't think, I, I don't think, I, I, don't think I started this call thinking I was going to finish it or this podcast finishing it with an accountability partner. But that's how God works, literally. Now, I, and this is not a joke. Like, I had that thought today. I was, this is not a joke. Like, I had that thought today, and, and you bring that up. This is God working in my life and doing for me what I can't do for myself. Yep. Like you put me in this position live. Yep. I have no choice but to say you did give me a choice, but I understand. Yeah. It. I understand when God's trying to help me out. Yep. And yep. I'm not going to turn my back on that. So yep. thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. That.
1: And here's the cool thing I always end any conversation when we're talking about recovery or talking about AA or whatever it is, right? Because the God thing that you bring up is what usually scares most people away from recovery and the steps and whatever, because that word is in there. Right. And a lot of people run away from that because they, and I did. So just to be clear, I did as well, because I still to this day, I loathe organized religion. Me too. Okay. And I have a lot of friends, like very close friends that are the polar opposite of me. And that is a very strong belief system of theirs. And I absolutely respect it for them because it works for them, right? It doesn't, it just doesn't work for me because though I have this thing that I don't agree with organized religion per se for a multitude of fucking reasons, right? But I thought that meant that I wouldn't be able to do any of these other things because God was in them, right? So I was running away from it. But when I shut the fuck up and listened for a second, I realized that in our program, they let you choose your higher power and your God of your understanding. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what do you do? I was like, I'm intrigued about this. And it was really cool that I got to sit down and talk with other people. Like I didn't just make up shit. Like they tell you like, Oh, it could be a doorknob, whatever. That's fucking stupid. But when you get to say, I believe in the universe, I believe in energy. I believe in God. Right. Just to give people a look into me a little bit. Like my spiritual belief system is very like in line with native American. In what way? In the land and the water and the fire and the sun and the wind and the trees and the energy and the like in the environment, right? There's something fucking to that. Now, other people will argue and be like, Yeah, it's called evolution, asshole. There's the big bang theory and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, Yeah, I understand that, but something triggered that. And there's some kind of energy, there's some kind of higher power, right? Whatever you want to call it. I don't think that there's a fucking dude in the sky with a beard that's looking down and judging what the fuck I do. I don't necessarily believe that, but I believe that there is something greater than myself out there that has a part in all of this, in what we do. And the other thing that I know is that I'm not him.
0: Yep. I agree with everything you said. I agree with everything you said because, and I'm so glad that you brought that up about the God part because I actually, I do view this as a universe. Like that's who I, I don't, as you said, I don't think about it. I do not think about a person. We're all God. God is one, one is God and talk whatever you want, but things, look, things like it, that have happened in our life don't happen by accident. Correct. They, they it's not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence.
1: I think things happen for a reason. There's a reason there's a reason that I got saved and I don't mean saved in the religious sense, like I'm fucking born again and whatever. I mean that there's a re- there's a reason that I was allowed to continue and not rot in jail or not die in a car accident or not die from an overdose, right? There's a reason that I was spared. And that reason wasn't to be selfish and to be a pile of shit for the rest of my life and only think about myself, it was to give me an opportunity to give back help. And we have a duty to do that. And if we don't, then we squandered all that fucking shit that we went through. It was all for absolutely fucking nothing. If we don't take it and turn it into something good. If you don't take it and turn it into something good, if you're listening to this and you're somebody that has went through that shit. And then everything that you do is for a selfish gain. You don't deserve to be here. That's right. I'll just say it. I don't give a fuck. Don't deserve to be here.
0: I want to clarify one thing in there because you said you, you got to help other people, but I want to, I want to be a little bit more specific because I, for years I've helped other people, but I wasn't helping other alcoholics and that. Oh, yeah. That was the part that was missing for me.
1: And I guess the reason that I kept it vague was because there's other people that go through other shit that has nothing to do with alcoholism, right? That have went through these trials and tribulations of whether it's depression or it's, you know what I mean? Or it's divorce or it's, whatever it is, you go through something like that. And if you don't take the lessons from that and not only apply them into your life, but to be better... But then once you do that, because it, it's the old saying, right, you got to use the oxygen mask for yourself first, and then you give it to your neighbor, right? Yeah. But who's the prick that just keeps it on himself and doesn't give it to his neighbor after they're okay? So it doesn't matter if you're in recovery, right? Like for you and I, it, that is what it is. That's part of it, right? Sure. But, for, uh, but for other people listening, because I'm sure you have a large percentage of your audience that isn't, right, in recovery, for but sure. they went through some shit too, and they still have a duty- to figure out how they give back from the shit that they learn from, because it's not all about you. You got to take care of yourself first, make your money, right? Take care of your family. And then once that's handled, start fucking giving back and start helping other humans, because that's how you'll genuinely become fulfilled in life.
0: And it gets you out of your own way, right? Get you out it of your get, own way. Hell, just for the period of time that you're asking, at- asking about somebody else or you're listening to somebody else's things, provided that you're actually listening, it does take you out of yourself. It gives you a, almost a reprieve. You can just, you have, yeah, you get it. Yeah. What's the easiest
1: way to forget about your problems?
0: Ask you about yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth.
1: It's the easiest way to forget about your problems. If you're fucking the old joke when we were kids, oh, my head hurts. Let me punch in the dick. Your head won't hurt anymore. <laughs>
0: That's right. Same thing, right? Same, same thing. thing.
1: Yep. Yep. My analogies aren't quite the same as some other shows, but yeah. <laughs>
0: That's all right. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's going to love that. It totally, yeah, totally makes sense. Paint a picture. That's right. Paint a picture. Dude, Eric, thank you. I. Dude, yeah. This has been incredible. I really appreciate this. This has been such a good conversation. And unless I've forgotten anything, I'd love for you to make sure I do want you to tell everybody where they can find roofers in recovery and tell them anything about yourself as well, where they can find yeah, you absolutely. That.
1: anybody that's looking for hey, so one, if you're in recovery and if you're in our space, not to sound like a, like we discriminate, but we do, we have a niche, right. And we want to help people in our industry. Right. So if you're in the roofing space or the construction space, and again, that can be attorney's. PAs, actual roofers, salesmen, owners, whatever, if you're in the, if you're in a roofing storm or storm restoration, whatever industry roofers in recovery, we are a nonprofit. We raise money every year to send people to treatment, but we also have a community and we have a community online and we have zoom meetings twice a week where we all get together. And then when we're in public places, like at a conference, we'll hold meetings at that event as well. Like we did at RoofCon. So I want people to know that resource is available. And if you know somebody that needs help, that's in that space, reach out to one of us. And so we can figure out if we can help send them to treatment as well. Right. So that's number one. Number two is obviously, please check us out at be authentic or get the fuck out. Right. I don't know if you see this right here. This was my first business slogan that I put on the back of t-shirts was fuck fitting in stand out. And Daddy. I put it on the back of DNM roofing t-shirts as well. Swear to God, I just X'd out the, like I made the C an exclamation point, but they're on the back of every worker's t-shirt because I wanted everybody to know we do shit differently. We're going to stand out. And that was the basis of uh, be authentic or get the fuck out. And every guest that we have on, if now it hasn't happened yet, because I think people have figured out that like, that I'll sniff it out. And so it's never going to happen. But the intent was, is that if you came on my show and I sniffed that you weren't being authentic and you were pretending to be somebody else, I'll yeah. just turn the motherfucker off and I'll start with somebody else next week.
0: Never happened though.
1: Hasn't happened yet because people know who I am now.
0: <laughs> and, they,
1: <laughs> and so if I invite somebody that like would have an inkling that they would be like that, they're like, nah, I'm good. Like they game. won't. Sorry. Yeah, they won't come on. <laughs> so so it's, morphed, it's morphed into something other than that, where like we talk about recovery like we did here today, but we also talk about business and leadership and all kinds of different things. I love hearing other people's stories about how they came from nothing and they became something. And the other thing, just to end with, that I love talking about, and the real purpose of my show was, is to take the time to learn about the differences in humans and figure out where the common ground is and have, and learning what empathy really is in understanding somebody else's point of view i don't have to agree with it but it is really cool if i can at least get to understand why you believe it because then we can still be friends right yeah it goes back it's why i get so angry at just the state of affairs in the world today whether it's in politics or it's fucking discussions and all that. I am a hardline go fuck your mask and shove it up your ass. But I have people in my life that aren't like that and don't believe what I believe. But here's the thing. I love them and I respect them. And so I want to know where they're coming from. And I want to understand because you know what? Maybe they live with their grandma who's 85 fucking years old and could die if something happens, right? We don't have but we don't have that conversation with them and they're like, "Yeah, it probably doesn't work, but what if it does? I'm I want to save my grandma." And it's, "You know what? That's you, man. That's great. Then do what you need to do so that you feel okay." But we don't have those discussions anymore because everybody's so goddamn afraid of offending somebody and I don't have time to be offended. I have time to have conversations and learn about other people. And that's what I really like to do on my show is I like to figure out where do we differ a little bit so that we can have that open dialogue and break down some fucking walls and figure out how we find a common ground.
0: Yeah. Cause look, if you're not open to the other side, you don't have to, you're not saying you have to agree with the other yeah, side. No, well, I'm just using, well, it's these politics that you brought that up. You don't have to agree with the other side, but I do want to know how that person's feeling. Right. And I think one of the biggest things I think has been missing is the fact that what you said about if I have if you say, Corey, I wear this mask because my grandmother, like I respect that. But if you just say, fuck you, I just wear the mask. Like, I don't like that. Don't tell me I've got to do what you're doing. Give me a reason. It's like two, right. two, two, two different stories, two different conversations. I think the context and understanding the why behind things is, the like you mentioned, the biggest thing that we're missing in the whole world right now.
1: We're missing conversations. And it doesn't even matter what the conversation is. We're missing the fact that we just don't fucking have them anymore. And I And a lot of that is, and I'm sorry, I know we're going long, but like one of the reasons behind that is goddamn social media algorithms right and we all know that and we've all watched the fucking movie and whatever but like social media algorithms make it so that you only fucking see what who you agree with that's right you don't see anything else so you never get to have another perspective of what people think and the minute that you get outside of your own bullshit and you listen a little bit you might go oh you know what? I never really thought of it that way. I might not agree with it 100%, but there's something that I can take from that and make myself more empathetic to their position. I'm not I'm still not going to go vote blue, right? But I can be empathetic to understand where they're coming from so that we can all be humans together, right? Cuz here this is why I love science fiction movies. Right. I'm a big Star Trek nerd. I fucking love Star Trek. Like, I love all of them. Like, I am a Star Trek fucking nerd. But one of the things that I love about it is that you see the human race as the race, you see the other entities as they're from a different planet. And we're so fucking divided as one race of humans when we're all the same thing, we all have different cultures, right? And we all have different ways that we were raised and grown up, right? I didn't grow up in a black culture. I didn't grow up in a native American culture or Hispanic culture. So I don't necessarily understand those cultures, but I do understand that we are all fucking human and we were all linked that way. And we should listen to other people's point of views just to have insight because we are way more fucking alike than we are different. And if we we open ourselves up to more of those conversations, we wouldn't have every fucking election is a runoff because it's 49.5 to 49.6 because everybody fucking hates each other. And you've got your red and you've got your blue and there's no fucking in between bullshit. Most of us fucking live in between
0: hundred percent.
1: Absolutely. Fucking
0: bullshit. Most of us live in between. Yeah, because they, you know, my buddy, he's a hardcore, he's hardcore, right? And he said, but let me ask you a question. He was like, what do you think about, you You believe people should be able to have abortions? I said, I think they should. He was like, well, does that make on the left? I was like, I guess halfway, right? Because there are some things that I do believe in and abortion would be one of the things I think people should have a choice of, you know, to a degree, right? There's a lot around that. Yeah, yeah there's a lot but to it.
1: Common I sense, a, right? I understand exactly what you're saying. I've had that same conversation with myself. Right. yeah, but, But the difference is that the world has indoctrinated people into thinking that if you don't believe exactly what our platform says, then you don't get to have the label as a Republican or as a Democrat. And you're now defying your party. Fuck your party. Fuck all those goddamn fucking parties. I yeah. get to be me. I get to make my fucking decisions. It's why I'm not registered as fucking anything. Yep. I'm registered as an independent or a libertarian or some shit because fuck all you guys and your platforms because none of them have conversations. They have platforms that they right. have to abide by. And if they change a stance on their platform, then they lose money they lose money from that fucking lobby because they may or may not fucking believe half of that shit. Right now. Yep. I know that a lot of people listening to this probably love Donald Trump, right? I think Donald Trump is a fucking lunatic, right? Did I vote for him? Yes. Because I agreed with enough of what he was going to do that. I wanted that mindset, not mindset. Cause his mind's fucking gone. But I wanted that, I wanted those decisions to be made that were that I thought were gonna benefit humans, whether sure. it was financial or whatever. But here's what's funny is that, and not to get into a fucking Republican, you opened up a fucking we can do it. Yeah, let's but, do it. But what's funny is that when you look back at that, if you look back at who Donald Trump was 20 years ago, not Different. same fucking guy. Not the same fucking guy. Where was he getting money from? left
0: he was was part of the left right yes
1: yeah yes but then come in and say that motherfucker goes to church every sunday and prays and fucking and and believe and is pro-life no fucking way that guy's pro-life get the fuck out of here anybody watching this that thinks donald trump is truly a pro-life fucking candidate is delusional you know how many fucking abortions he probably paid for in the fucking 80s. Can you imagine? Oh, shit. I had never really thought about that. 100%. 100%. I'm not judging that. I'm not True. judging that, right? All I'm saying is that, one, you can change, but B, sometimes you really don't and you just want their fucking money.
0: And it's because because a hard can't... line to tell, right? It's
1: hard which to is tell. Which is why I can't be a politician, right? Because I can't say, hey, give me your money, but I don't agree with you. Right. But I need your money so I can win on this platform on this red side because I consider myself red because I believe in this and this, but not this. Right. It's why I fucking hate politics. It's why I I, it drives me crazy. And it's funny because when I was younger, I literally worked for the National Republican Party raising money.
0: I went to the convention twice and worked it. (laughs) Yeah, I I believed in it. I absolutely fucking believed in it. I absolutely did. Yeah. I believe until recent
1: years. Yep. And then I didn't. And then I realized that there isn't one of those motherfuckers in office. I couldn't name one that actually gives a shit about what's happening to other people. That's what they might tell you. Right. But they do not. They care about the power that they gain from it and what they're able to do with it. They have certain beliefs behind it, whatever. But to think that they give a fuck about you and I bullshit. Bullshit. Which is why as business owners and entrepreneurs and whatever, it doesn't matter what fucking tax law they pass. You can't fucking do a goddamn thing about it, right? It doesn't matter what law gets passed. It doesn't matter how much you have to pay in taxes. All that fucking matters then is you got to figure out if they change the game, then I got to change how I fucking play it. So it's your responsibility to figure out how to play the game right. And if that means you need to make more money, or you need to find the different loophole, you better find the motherfucker and hire them. They can help you figure out how to do that because they're not going to do it for you. They're just going to continue to take.
0: Yep. you I'm going fucking rants. I'm really no, rants you're of my, aren't I? <laughs> no, you're right, though. You're absolutely. I. You, you're 100 percent right. And I want to go back to the device thing for a second. And this is going to be a long. This is going to be long, but it is what it is. That's what happens. How do you think about this. Think about. And I'll tell you, it was Joe, uh, what's that? Would you say the vice thing? No, the, so the, no, the device, our devices, right? Our phones. Oh. And platforms. And if you think about how we make decisions, right? I'd like to think that I make my decision. That's a hundred percent not right. I don't make any of my decisions. That fucking phone makes my decisions. Let me explain what I mean. It's not intentional, right? I see whatever it is on the phone. And it takes my attention there, then it's only a matter of seconds before I'm directed to an ad or a matter, or directed to whatever they want me to go to. So, and I just follow the trail. And do I have any choice? I guess if I don't want to have a phone, but does that make sense?
1: Absolutely, dude. They got it dialed the fuck in. Like they know exactly what they're doing, and they know how to work subconscious, like everything. What do we all learn? We learn NLP shit on how to sell.
0: Yeah, right. It's the
1: same. Right. It's the same thing with that. Like they're figuring out how to get into your subconscious with that. So that at a certain point, like you're not making the decision, right? At the end of the day, yeah, we are, but they are indoctrinating you so much that your chance of saying no goes significantly down because of what we're being bombarded with. And I think that it scares me more for my kid than it does for me because at least I'm a little self-aware of it. I still get caught, catch myself. I'm like, how the fuck did I just spend $200 on some fucking t-shirts I don't need? But Because that happens, right? I didn't need a new Lions Not Sheep hat, but somehow I bought another one last night. But right. I'm more scared of it for my kid and what they see growing up and how that's my responsibility and that's my duty to make sure that they're seeing everything and that they're not just seeing one thing and that they know that there's this big giant world out there of other people and other cultures and other and, yeah. and other and other things because that's what scares me and you know, like you'll see a video ask gary vee uh, the kind of the same question about us about i've got a kid and how do i keep them away from all the noise and his answer was you don't you embrace it right because they're going to be able to use these platforms to grow businesses and make millions of dollars and Blah, 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 blah. Yes, I agree with that. But you're a shitty fucking parent if you don't figure out a way to make sure that the noise is removed and that you're replacing that noise with your voice so that they know the direction. And if they see something that isn't right, that they're able to identify. I think that's one of the things is that when we were young, it was very fucking easy to understand the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Today... I think that line is so much different of what is right and wrong. And we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that we don't forget that it is still our fucking job to do that. And it's not the TV. It's not social media. Because if you don't, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook and Snapchat are going to fucking teach
0: your children what is right and wrong. And then we're fucking doomed. If I had to guess, I don't even want to guess. I would say there's a majority of parents that fall in that category currently. I would agree. I would
1: agree. I would say that the minority are self-aware of that. But I think the reason is, I don't think the reason is because they don't care. I think the reason is because they don't know how and they're tired. Yeah. They have multiple kids. Like the youngest always gets kind of left behind or whatever. Like- I don't think that it's intentional. I think that they're just not self-aware enough, but guys like us that are taking this personal growth journey, we're forced to be self-aware because of the things that we're learning. And so because of that, we get this opportunity to teach our kids to be self-aware. My fucking daughter, seven years old. And I made the mistake of it wasn't a mistake, but I made the mistake of teaching her that everything is a choice. Right. I taught her that everything is a choice and I believe this, right? And I said, honey, you can do whatever you want. Just understand that there's consequences, good and bad associated with every choice that you make. So if you choose to have a fucking conniption fit and not go to school and blah, 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 that's fine. That's a choice that you can make, but there's going to be consequences because you're going to get in trouble and X, Y, and Z is going to happen, right? So I'm just trying to teach her that anybody can tell you what to do, but like, you don't have to fucking do it, right? If a kid tells you, you need to go jump off that thing, you don't have to do it. You always have a choice in everything that you do. Just understand that there's always consequences. So now what she fucking does to me is when I travel, I'm like, daddy has to go. I got to go to Omaha. I got to go help the team out and have some meetings. And she's like, no, you don't, dad. I'm like, what do you mean I don't, honey? I'm like, I have to go. And she's like, you made a choice to go. (sighs) You made a choice to go, which means you're making a choice to leave me. And I'm like,
0: oh, fuck. No. But let's bring that into your ice cream sundae. Let's bring yeah, that. I... Let's bring it right into that because it will be a good way for you to. Yeah. I want you to tell that story if you don't mind. Which, your ice well, cream oh, but,
1: oh, absolutely. Because that's... that's
0: a good segue into what you were just saying.
1: Yeah. So what we did. So what we did, it's funny. God. Okay. So she's seven. So I think I want to say she was about three. And when she was three, I started taking her every Sunday. I was always home on Sundays and I would take her on Sundays to Dairy Queen back in Nebraska every Sunday, no matter what. And I was not like doing social media stuff. I wasn't like whatever. And I was like, ah, this will be fun. Like we'll take a picture together and we'll post it. So I started, I just accidentally became consistent at every single Sunday we had ice cream. I posted a picture and I was like, Hey, be intentional with your time. And all of a sudden, two years later, we're still doing it. Like she's five at the time or whatever. And we go to RoofCon, con when it was in Houston, a few years ago, and she's running up and down the halls and everybody's like, Hey, it's the ice cream girl. Right. And I'm like, Holy fuck. Like she's famous. What happened? And what happened next though, is what was so amazing was that all of a sudden I started getting messages and started seeing other people start posting ice cream Sundays with their kids or posting fucking waffle Saturday with their son or whatever whatever it was. And I had all these multiple people started doing this. And I also realized in that moment that there's two ways as a human that you can react to that, right? One is ego and go. These motherfuckers are stealing my thing. That's the first way that you can take it. Or you can go, holy shit, because of what we did just for us, we were able to possibly influence an impact that now this kid gets to spend intentional time every Saturday, every Sunday, spending time with his dad that maybe was just sitting on a couch in TV time before. But now they get to have this memory when they're older. of My dad took me every fucking Sunday, no matter what, to spend time with me because that was all that mattered in that moment. And we got to indirectly change lives because of that. Never my intention. And two ways to take it. And I chose to take it the second way, going, wow, that's fucking cool. Don't be the first person that goes... Look at these motherfuckers stealing my shit. Don't be that person. You're a That's fucking right. asshole.
0: The reason I wanted you to tell that story most importantly is because of, you do travel a lot. And yep. I think that it's really important for somebody that is busy as you and me, that you bring that up when your kid asks you, you got a choice to leave, but you also have a choice to make it home every Sunday.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, i talk about this a lot. It's not about the amount of time that you spend with somebody. It's about the quality and the intention of the time that you spend. My daughter isn't going to remember that I was home for 10 days in a row. And I am. I'm going to be with her for the next 12 days because we're going on vacation, right? So we're going to be together for the next 12 days. She's not going to remember. Daddy was home for 12 days. She's going to remember those intentional moments that we spent together during those twelve days. So if you're gone for four, you're gone for five. When you're back, don't al Bundy it and sit on a couch with your hand down your pants watching TV. Be intentional about the time that you're spending with your people, whether it's your daughter, your wife, or your partner, or whatever, whoever it is. Be intentional about that. If you only have an hour, you only have two hours. Be intentional with that two hours so that you're making memories. That they're going to remember how important you they were to you in that time frame. It's not about quantity; it's about quality. Hundred percent. And don't be on your damn phone because I don't count. I know that's so fucking hard, but yes, you're correct.
0: Yeah, it is hard, but it takes practice, right? Practice makes yep, perfect.
1: Yes, it, it takes practice. Like you have to do it. Like I honestly, I know this sounds counterintuitive, and I know we got to wrap up. But I know this sounds counterintuitive, but like I always refuse to have an Apple Watch because. I always wore like a whoop to track my fitness stuff. I never wanted an Apple watch because I didn't want the notifications and I didn't want to constantly be fucking doing that and checking and blah, blah, blah. I pulled the trigger recently and said, nah, fuck it. I'm going to get the watch. I'm going to turn off all notifications except texts or like one thing, like emails don't come up, like none of that shit, but I'll have texts. But what I found was, is that it makes it so much easier to turn off all the notifications, and then set my phone away because I'm not picking it up because you know what you can't do on social media or you can't do on your phone or on your iWatch is
0: social media. Dude, I think you just, that's a hack. That is, I never in a million years looked at it like that. I don't buy one for the exact same reason you didn't buy one. Yep, yep. Holy and now God. my phone
1: stays away from me. There's times I can't even find it. Because I know that if I need if I need to text somebody or if there's an important text or whatever coming through, I'll see it if I need to. But I know that I won't. I can't go. What's fucking what Corey fucking post five minutes ago? I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to scroll.
0: Yeah, it. I right. put all the apps on the back of my phone. Like I, I just put it back there, and I have times that I go on it. And sometimes do I break that? Of course, but yeah, fuck the life out now, of you.
1: This watch has down my screen time considerably. That is,
0: I'm so freaking happy you told me that. That really, that that is badass. One quick thing. I don't know that you told everybody where to go with the calls that are twice a week in roofers of recovery. Did I say it right?
1: So what you have to do is you have to find the private Facebook group. So find the roofers in recovery Facebook group. And there's two groups. There's a private group and a public group, right? So like anybody can follow the public group, Right. You have to ask to join. And like, I literally am the person that says, I let you in because we are very intentional about not letting in marketers and looky loos and people that just want to look around and see what people are doing. Right. So I literally let you in. And then in our community on our Facebook page, there's links to the meetings. And then once you come to your first meeting, it's the same link every single week. So you can just save it in your calendar. But it's Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central. And Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Central are two meetings. And then again, if you're in our space and we're going to a roof con, I've never done one at D2D con because there's not as many roofers there as there are like other industry folks. But I'm thinking about blowing it up and seeing who's going to come and maybe having a meeting there. But we try to have it at every event because it's really cool to be in person.
0: How many salespeople people in AA? A bunch. So, there's your they answer all, for they all, probably
1: should, they all probably should be but yeah
0: <laughs> you probably got a pretty good crowd that probably could use your help in that situation so Absolutely. i guess it's okay to link the group underneath here at least the public group and then they can yeah i think the most important thing what you're saying is don't come in here to fuck around just come in here to do your thing and come in here with the right intention and yeah. that's the kind of person that you're looking
1: for. dude yeah and at the end of the day here's what's easiest send me a message Send me a fucking, send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and connect with me quickly. Like I'm busy. I don't take phone calls. And I had this conversation with somebody else the other day. It's not because I'm rude. It's not because I'm an asshole. I respond to texts. I'll always respond to texts. But here's the thing that I don't know. When someone calls me, I don't know how much time you want. Right. I don't know how much time you want. And I have to be respectful of the people that I have on my calendar that I'm dealing with all day. And because I don't know how much time you want, I, I'm just no, not going to give day. it to you right now. So text me, I'll send you a fucking calendar. And like, well, then we can set up a call because then, you know, you get 15 or 30
0: minutes.
1: 100%. And then I can be intentional with that time so that I'm focusing on what you're saying. And not that I know that I've got this other call in 10 minutes that I have to take. And I'm worrying about that. So I'm not really giving everything to you.
0: Exactly.
1: So message me message me. I will get you in the group. I will connect you with people in your community. We do that all the time. You live in Austin. I'll find some motherfucker in Austin to get to a meeting with you. You live in South Carolina. I'll find some motherfucker in South Carolina to take you to a meeting. Like we've got a network all over the country. So that's the big thing. Find us on roofers and recovery and then check out, be authentic or get the fuck out.
0: Perfect away from this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope
1: today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination.